Um, and, uh, you know, so in this instance, like, she really made sure that the voices that were on the receiving end of that or, you know, that that, that was a personal thing for were the ones that were, lift, you know, elevated and really listened to. Um, so that was amazing. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 168 of the Kamena Voice. Today, I speak with the co-founder of the Stanwood Alliance for Equity, or SAFE. Please welcome Satin Desiree Arnett. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kamena Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. And I hope you guys survived Glass Quest out there. We had a crazy time here at the Marketplace, per usual. And, um... Yeah, it's always that uh, crazy time of year, but lots of fun, uh, great event, and um, yeah, and it didn't snow. I mean, it dusted during it, but it didn't like full-on snow, um, so that was such a huge win. Hopefully, some of you guys got lucky out there and were able to find one of the clue balls, so you won yourself a glass ball. If not, there's always next year, so I uh, hope, thank you everyone to that participated in that, uh, if you haven't. Um, also, I just wanted to give a really quick shout out before I jump into this episode. Um, I host a second podcast. It's called the Welcome to Camino Island podcast, uh, and it's put on by the chamber. Um, but I'm also the host of that one. And in that, we just interviewed uh, Jen and Alan Chapin, 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 uh, one of those. And um, anyways, they run EnviroTech on the island, and we just got a ton of great information about septic systems, the do's, the don'ts, um, things, signs, and stuff like that of, like, if your septic system is healthy. So I know in some ways some people might be like, that's very boring or, like, you know, not interested. But uh, if you guys want to learn anything about septic systems, I highly suggest you jump over to the Welcome Kamano Island podcast. It comes out on the first Wednesday of every month. So I just wanted to say, give a shout out to that. And I'll, and I'll link that in the show notes below so you're able to just click through to there. Okay, into this episode. Okay, so I wanted to start off by talking about in this episode. Um, so Satin is, uh, like I said in the intro, co is the co-founder of the Stanwood Alliance for Equity, or SAFE, um, which is a group here in Camano Island, uh, in Stanwood. It's for both groups. It's, it's in Stanwood, but it's for both Stanwood and um, for uh, providing safety for people of all colors and backgrounds and, and everything. Um, and, and I wanted to bring Satin on, uh, one, because I wanted her to talk about this organization and why it's important uh, in our community. Um, but two, uh, I'm on the very tail end of uh, Black History Month. Um, this is releasing on the one of the last days of that month. Um, but I felt like it was important, um, especially in our community, um, we aren't uh, as diverse as a lot of other communities. Um, I don't think that's news to anyone. Um, so I really wanted to bring, uh, you know, talk about that a little bit, just the, uh, Black History Month, um, or, or highlight that, because I do think it's important that we learn the history of all people, of all the things. Um, and so I wanted to talk about, you know, I wanted to do that and mention that in the beginning of this episode. And it's also why I wanted to bring Satin on to talk about some of that stuff as well. 
Um, so we have a great wide-ranging conversation. She talks about why they started SAFE in the beginning um, and how it kind of all came about. Uh, and, and what's really cool is as we get through and talk about the story of this um, and her background and what she's kind of worked through, um, you know, and getting to the point that we are now, um, she has very positive things to say for the San Camino area. Um, uh, specifically in the school system, because we talk about a scenario that happened. Um, now, there's always more work to do, um, but we talked through a, a thing, a, an event that happened, and how it was handled by the school system was done so well. Um, so we do want to give props to them for, for handling that situation well. And um, uh, yeah, so we, like I said, this is a long uh, conversation. We get into all sorts of things. Had a great time talking with Satin. So um, if you haven't, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to say hi to her, be sure to say hi that you heard her on the, the Camino Voice podcast. Um, but uh, anyways, so um, yeah, like I said, this is a long podcast, so I'm just going to let it speak for itself. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Satin Arnett. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today, I'm here with the co-founder of Stanwood Alliance for Equity, or SAFE. Welcome to the podcast, Satin Desiree Arnett. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Satin. A little bit about me. Um, simple. I am originally from California, Bay Area, and I lived there most of my life. I lived around a little bit in a couple other states, Arizona and Ohio, but mostly in California. And then I moved up to Washington in Everett in middle school. Okay. So, and I have been, I was in that area ever since. So about almost 15 years ago, I came here to Camino Island. Okay. Very cool. What was it like growing up in California for you? It was great. I loved California. We spent a lot of time at beaches, going to Great America, lots of family stuff. So we were out all California. So you're out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, Did, is your most of your family still down there then? Um, no, I I have a little bit of family out there still, but my family's kind of spread out. My father's side mm-hmm. is mostly in the south and the east coast. Okay. And then um, my mom's side is most of them are actually out here now. Okay. So in Washington. Nice. Did you ever do uh, uh, surfing and stuff like that down in California? I did not surf. Okay. Nobody in my family <laughs> surfed, so nobody taught me how to surf. But no, we just just played at the beach and stuff. So yeah. no. Well, you know, the beach is still good for that. Lots too. of bike riding and and running around the neighborhoods. Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, so then you said you moved up to Everett. What kind of drew you guys up here? Um, my mom decided to move out here. Her siblings lived out here. Okay. They had all three at this point uh, moved out to um, Washington area. So, okay. So she wanted to move closer to family and stuff. So that's why we moved out here. We ended up out here. Nice. So she told us we were moving out here, and I thought she was talking about Washington, D.C. <laughs> so <laughs> but we ended up here. A little disappointed? Or? <laughs> I didn't want to leave California, so. No. I'm sure. Yeah, especially as a kid, like. Growing up where you can go to the beach all the time and it's nice and you hang out with your friends on the beach. I don't know. And then you moved to Everett. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. And we moved here in September. So we moved here oh, right in the beginning. No. It was, so it was like really cold. I remember telling my mom, I was like, I don't have any shorts for this weather. <laughs> I own like two sweatshirts. And yeah, that was it. It was, oh. it was cold. <laughs> yeah. So then how was that transition? Because that's kind of a hard time to transition into a new school and a new area in middle school. That was a... Actually, it was a really hard transition. Um, 
not like it was a hard time yeah because like I had a lot of friends out there and you know I lived out there for a while and um and then when we moved out here not only the weather but the culture was really different Mm. like in California in the Bay Area especially like we were there was a lot of diversity and like we were all friends like you know at at school we had our little groups of best friends and stuff but we were all like you know in the courtyard at school during lunch times and things like that it was just everybody hanging out with everybody running around and talking and stuff and when I came out here to Washington and went to school it was a really different culture there were more like everybody was segregated in different groups Hmm. And that was like another thing I recall telling my mother is that uh, I, I don't know what group I'm supposed to be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was the only black girl at my school. Okay. At Evergreen Middle School. This was in the late 80s, early 90s and stuff. So, yeah, I was. There was me. Um, there was a Hispanic gal who ended up being my best friend. She was also from California a year before me. So okay. <laughs> we had that in common. And uh, we had a Native American gal and that was it yeah so yeah it was was different it was really different so it was definitely a culture shock yeah and um how did that kind of as you were growing up in school and stuff like did that um I guess what was that kind of like for you because obviously that's a very it's a young age to try and be figuring out all of this this culture shock but how, how did that kind of play out in your life in that Gosh, how did that play out in my life? Um, well, for a while I just rebelled because I was upset about moving from home. Course, and yeah. it was a shock and I didn't really fit in and stuff. And so for whatever teenage and, you know, preteen reasons and stuff, I spent a lot of time rebelling and getting into a lot of trouble. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that uh, um, and trying to like, figure out where I fit in with what group of friends and what people like I tried a lot of different groups of friends and it was just it just I didn't I wasn't the type to fit into one group so I was always kind of known as the kid that just I had like the five different groups that I would yeah. <laughs> hang out with yeah so um so I guess that's you know something like my friends always say like they wouldn't have known so and so if it wasn't for me because I was trying to so I always try to like bring people together yeah. Because I didn't like, like, the separation. Yeah. <laughs> the weirdness. So, yeah. You know, so um, so that was a big part of my life. But, yeah, I did have some tough teenage years. I guess I, w- I was uh, what you would call or what you would have called then an at-risk youth. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I got into some trouble, ended up uh, having a hard time in high school. At, at, um, I went to Everett High. That was a big, it was, <laughs> school. it was tough. So ended up going to alternative school and things like that. And yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I dealt with some stuff as a kid. So that, you know, I think a lot of it was from rebelling when we moved up here and just not really fitting in. And then just, like you said, teenage stuff, I guess, you know. We don't know why we make those decisions. Right. <laughs> we just do. Yeah. But, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I grew up, you know, I grew up here on Camano Island. And, and we were part of the homeschool group, which was a pretty large group of kids, especially for being homeschooled. Mm -hmm. So um, we would, but, but, you know, growing up, I was not knowing it. I was kind of part of the, like, the main clique of of our generational homeschool Mm -hmm. group. Um, And my mom was really good at seeing outside of that and saying, Brandon, you need to invite so-and-so over and play. And kind of the same idea. I would go and play with them and like, oh, this is great. Yeah, let's, they can come to our party too. So when we'd have parties at our house, 
I would invite, I mean, we would have anywhere from like 20 to 30, 40 kids come over to our house and hang out. But like it was, you know, and then I would talk to all of the different kids later. And sometimes it'd be like, yeah, it was like, I didn't understand at the time, but they were kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I need to go next time or something just because <laughs> they did. They felt like they were on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just a lot of that. And I don't know if that's a Washington thing or, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just something interesting because that was something we, we dealt with a lot. And I, me being on the inside, not realizing I was on the inside at that time. Yeah. I think, you know, I thought it was a Washington thing at first. I'm like, it's just, you know, because it's so different. But I think it's kind of everywhere. It just depends on what area you're in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was strange, though. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, so, you know, going through all that and then graduating high school then, um, what, what were you thinking, like, when you were getting ready to exit high school, were you thinking, like, I'm going to go just jump into work? Or were you looking at colleges? What was kind of your, your plan from there? Um, I think one of the biggest things that came for me being, you know, an at-risk youth or being a kid that got into a lot of trouble and kind of just, uh, you know, was in that world is that um, even while I was in it, I began to, I wanted to help, like, kids like me or people. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... I kind of had this idea of, like, I wanted to stop other people from going down the same paths that I went. So I always wanted, I've always wanted to do outreach, nonprofit work, just, like, give back. I used to, one of my, like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actress. And then I realized I had stage fright, so that didn't work out very well. <laughs> yeah, I was in a play in elementary school, and I froze. And so, <laughs> so that dream <laughs> had to change. But uh, my other thing, I wanted to be a philanthropist. And when I was younger, I said I was going to get rich so I can give all my money away and help people. So I've always wanted to do some kind of outreach work, all kind of outreach work. Yeah. It's so is that something that, um, like, were your parents big into that? Or uh, did you have friends or aunts or uncles that were kind of in that? Um, I, I probably got it from my mom the most. Most of my family, no. Um, but my mom was big on, like, she, she was really, like, peace to the whole world you know she wanted to bring peace to the whole world yeah. <laughs> like can't we just all be nice and peaceful and stuff so she was a really she was a really big inspiration in bringing people together she was raised um in the south she's originally she was born in germany okay and then uh they came over her father's military and then she came over actually with her stepfather and her mother and i believe one sibling from germany and they moved to louisiana okay so that was like, you know, in the 50s and Louisiana and Germany and just all of you know, the issues that arise from all of that coming yeah. to Germany. She lived in a really tough place. Um, there was a lot of, obviously, racism down there and segregation and stuff. Um, she she um, started, she was kind of like a mini activist. Um, she was always, when they integrated her schools, she was like the only kid in her town that refused to stay home and went to school with the the black kids and um, she actually got in trouble and was locked up in a juvenile home for a while because she was hanging around town too much in public with her black friends so my mom was like yeah a little mini activist (laughs) wow but so she was really big on equality and bringing people together and things like that so she kind of always raised me with that notion yeah because we had a really close experience with a lot of that stuff because her being raised out there and her family being from out there, unfortunately, some of my family members, you know, don't appreciate me too much. So, mm-hmm. but uh, 
So she was always really, she always really made sure that, you know, she made a point to talk about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, speak out that it wasn't okay and things like that. So definitely a big influence in my life of wanting to outreach and advocate. Yeah. And was that something that you grew up hearing? Like, would she talk about that kind of her growing up and all that as you were growing up? She did. She told us about, you know, she always, she never hid really much about her life and stuff. She was always, she always told us stories about what had happened and things like that. She was really big on um, uh, family histories and trees and documented, you know, she has this huge book where she's like documented. She even has that stuff documented, the court papers, everything. <laughs> so she has like our whole lives, you know, history and stuff. So she was really big on telling everything, you know, learning from her experiences and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's really cool. My, my wife has gotten into family tree stuff and going back and, um, she's definitely spent many, many hours doing the research. And then like once you find a little strand and following that strand and yeah, um, it's a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's so it's mm-hmm. very cool. Um, me being adopted, I don't have as, you know, it's a pretty short step. So, okay. <laughs> Yeah, my mom, she did um, a lot. She worked for a while with people and actually helped them find their parents and things like that. Mm. She Because she spent many years of her life looking for her biological father. Okay. So And then she found him in her 30s. Okay. Finally. So, you know, yeah. So she spent a lot of years doing that with other people. Yeah. Helping them. That's great. Awesome. So... So being that you were kind of looking at, like, either actress or philanthropist, <laughs> where did that lead you af- as you left high school then? Well, when I left high school, I actually wanted to be an artist. Okay. <laughs> I'm a writer, and I do a little bit of art, um, but not so much anymore. I used to, but not, not so much anymore. I don't really have the patience. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I wanted to go somewhere into art, um, but I didn't have the money for college to go yep. to any college. I did get a, a partial scholarship from um, one of the art schools out in Seattle, but uh, it wasn't enough. It was expensive. So, yeah. Um, so um, uh, I did have good grades when I graduated, even though I, you know, I had some troubles as a teenager. I had a great teacher, a high school teacher, that really took me under his wing and mentored me and really got me through high school not only got me to graduate but got me to see my potential so I ended up graduating you know at top of my class and nice 4.0 and stuff so you know I did end up going to so I thought okay I'll do something and I had no idea because it's tough when you're a kid you think you know what you want to do and mm-hmm. then you get out into the world and then you're like oh <laughs> I have to actually do it like is that really <laughs> what I want to do right so I went to community college and I thought I really wanted to help people and I kind of had some people in my family in my ear because not a lot of people in my family went to college. And yeah. so it was like, you know, I had the typical kind of responses like, you got good grades and you're so smart. Go be a doctor or a lawyer or something, you know. So I'm like, well, I can't. So I thought I'd go into physical therapy. Okay. And I thought, okay, that's a way to help people, you know. Um, and then I started taking some, uh, I went to community college first to start doing like my basics and my prerequisites and stuff. And then like the prerequisites I had to take before med school or before school for physical therapy, Yeah. they drove me nuts. They absolutely bored me and I couldn't handle them. So I was like, nope, this is not for me. <laughs> Glad you learned that beforehand. This is though. not for me. So I could not memorize another medical term or psychology. No, I couldn't do it. So, um... So I figured, yeah, that's not my path. So, <laughs> so I stepped back for a while, and then I um, tried again and just did, you know, I thought maybe just a basic AA and stuff. And then um, 
I had my I had had one child uh, right after I graduated high school, so I was a mom already, and um, I was a single mom. And then I had my second daughter, and going to school and raising a baby that yeah. was hanging on you all the time. I tried to do the online thing for a while. That doesn't work out for me. So yep. I stepped back again for the second time <laughs> and raised my child for a while. And then years later, um, I decided that I was going... And then I just went into the work. You know, I worked. I did some different jobs. I was photography for a little while, retail, stuff like that. So, And then I went to college a third time. And I decided, well, I'm going to go for business management. Because then no matter what I do, I can run it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Since I figured, I realized that I have no idea what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> you know, this was my mid to late 20s by now. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, I'll just go for business management and just, you know, figure it out after that. So, so I went back to school one more time. And I have to admit, I did not finish. I got very close. Um, but then I was in retail at the time, and I started moving up and up and up and reached management and things like that really quick. So I um, decided instead of continuing to pay for school that I was just going to start my own business. Yeah. So I made a friend of mine. We started a cleaning business, and we did really well. But I really didn't like cleaning. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yes, we did. We did pretty good, um, but yeah, it just cleaning wasn't for me. So I couldn't do that for the rest of my life. Yes, um, yeah. So uh, then after that, I uh, stayed home for a while. Um, we have a lot of kids, so it was hard. Me and my husband both working. Yep, we have nine kids between the two of us. Wow. Yeah, I guess I could have went with said that and <laughs> tell us about that. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, we have nine between the two, blended family. Um, wow, very cool. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I stayed home. Um, and then I stayed home for a while, for some, a few years. And uh, then I got to the point where um, I think it was the first time in 20 years where I had no kids at home. Like, they were all in school. We were sending the youngest off to kindergarten. And so I decided to go to real estate school because it's something I always want to try so, yeah, <laughs> I guess I kind of have this entrepreneurial spirit spirit where I just, you know, want to try things until I figure out what I really want to do. And, yeah. But I've always had a dream of opening up a nonprofit organization. Yeah. So I've always had that dream and always kind of been working on that plan in the back of my head. Yeah. Times like that. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we've got four kids and I feel like it is a lot to handle nine I can't imagine having nine kids yeah we have four still at home so wow (laughs) you guys are still in it we're almost there (laughs) oh yeah and and I love the the piece about the cleaning business because there was a time where uh, my dad was saying like okay you guys need to go to college um so I want you guys to go to college and you have to pick a degree that's you know you can get a job with um, he's like, I'm not paying for you to do a degree that you just want to do because it sounds fun. And, but, like, you need to make money out of it. So I was like, okay. Um, and there was, you know, different points where I just hit walls in, in my high school years or as I was starting to get into college. I was like, why don't I just start working? I should just start working. And he's like, Brandon, you hate physical labor. Like, when we did yard work in the yard, you hated every minute of it. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, I could do other things in construction or something. He's like... Really? <laughs> he's like, I mean, you can do that. You can. You're going to hate it. <laughs> and pretty quickly, I was like, th- thought about it more and more. I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do that. 
but yeah, that same thing. Like, I could start a business that did yeah. this and then be like, I hate this. That reminds me of one of my sons. He, he keeps asking me. He wants to start working. He's almost 15. And he's like, Mom, can I start a, a, a pet sitting business and dog walking business or something? And I'm like, yeah, you can. But you don't even like taking our dog out. So <laughs> I can barely get you to do that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, yeah, we've got a, uh, well, now he's 10. He turned 10 this year. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, we've got twin girls that are 11 turning 12 soon, and then we've got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old turning 7 soon. Um, but the 10-year-old is always just like, okay, well, I, I could do this, or I could do this. And I'm like, yes, but you've got to, like, try something and then see if you like it and, and focus on it. And, like, one thing that he's been talking about a lot is YouTube, and he's like, I, I want to do a YouTube channel. And I'm like, okay, great. So, like, this weekend, we were trying to work on it a little bit. And I'm like, okay, so film a video and then just play around with editing. Try and make, do thing weird things to it, stuff like that. He did it for, like, he filmed the video, which ended up being, like, a half hour long. I'm like, well, I meant, like, a five-minute video. <laughs> <laughs> and then he played for it for probably, like, ten minutes. And then was done and ran off and <laughs> wanted to go play, do something else. I'm like... Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that focus. We need to work yeah. on that piece. But Well, they tried. That's what, you know, I'm a big believer in that. I, I tell my kids all the time, like, especially when they're kids. Mm-hmm. Tell them, try as much as you can now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. there's going to be a point where you don't have that freedom to try things. And you have to actually work. Or you have to have more responsibility. So try everything you can now so you actually know what you want to do or what you like. Because it's easy um, when you're a kid. You have all these, you know, I want to be this when I grow up. And some kids are like, they stick with it all yeah. through childhood instead. Yeah. And then when they try it and they're like, oh, I don't even like this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, they say, you know, we have a lot of kids. So we've seen that from you know, some of our kids. They're like, I'm going to be this. And they're the same thing forever. And then they get there and they're like, no. And they go into something totally. We had a daughter that wanted to be a veterinarian. All her life wanted to be a veterinarian. Yep. She's a plumber now. So, you know, and she loves it, you know, so it's yeah. like she went to the trade. She's like, no, I'm going, she, you know, college wasn't for her. She didn't, and she does great, yeah. um, you know. And then on the other hand, we had a son that wanted to go into law enforcement, and he ended up, you know, doing it and stuff. So it's like you never, you know, you never know. So yeah. <laughs> that's Absolutely. why I tell him, try everything you can, sports, different things. Um, you know, that's why I love working with kids so much, too. And I love, like, about our school district, too, we have a lot of, like, those trade opportunities and things like that for yeah. kids to try different things so they're not just imagining they want to be something and they have no idea, you know. Yeah. Because you really have no idea until you get out there. Right. So, I'm, yep, try it. Why not? Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> and the, my wife is, is really good at that with our kids. Of, you know, when they show interest in something, you know, we do a, it's kind of homeschool, it's kind of, private school but it's like they go once or you know twice a week and then do most of the homework at home mm-hmm. um but she's always willing to be flexible on certain things like if they start finding an interest in something she's like okay let's pick up a book let's start reading about that and learning about that and um so she's really good at kind of you know following their interests and you know and then when that interest wanes and they kind of switch to a new thing that she lets them kind of do that so mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's, that's cool. yeah that's good i just had to let my kids know when they try things like Make sure that you really like it and you have to be really into it before I start dumping all this money yes. <laughs> extra because some yes. trying things can get expensive. Yes. No, we have and the... like even with sports, they would do sports and the oh next year Lord. I'd ask them, do you want to do it again? Are you sure? Because, you know, I 
we have to pay, you know, so it's, be well, sure it's that a commitment you want to do it. So, so many it's okay it's if on you pay, don't. It's on pay and time. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like every day you're like, all right, I got to get you over to this thing. And yeah, so, it's a lot, but so. yeah, at least try. Yes. So how did that go then? You, you find that you started doing, uh, went into real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that go? Was it what you were expecting? I don't think real estate is ever what anybody's expecting going <laughs> into it. Um, from afar, it looks a lot easier than it is. Um, I do. I, I did love the work. I did love it. I am a weird person who actually likes contracts and things like that. So, okay. And that's what a lot of real estate is about. So I really liked it. Um, and I liked helping people get homes and, you know, sell home, things like that. It's a big part of somebody's life, big decision. Yeah. So it's a really cool thing to be a part of that. Um, the constantly trying to sell myself is not really who I am so much. So that was kind of a hurdle for yeah. me doing, doing that because you're constantly having to sell yourself and put yourself out there and stuff like that. So that was a little tough. But uh, other than that, it was it was it was I liked it, but definitely not what I expected. You never you don't know. what you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they make it out to be a lot uh uh, a lot more glamorous than it is on the outside. I mean, I didn't really, I, I did a lot of research. I have a friend that was in real estate for a while before I did. So I actually talked to her first and yep. was like, you know, told her, we were longtime friends. And I'm like, tell me the truth. Don't just tell me what everybody else that tries to get people in real estate tells them, you know, like you're just going to make all this money and sell all these houses. Tell me the truth. And so she told me the truth. So I guess I did have, you know, a little bit of, of honest knowledge going in and stuff. But again, it was something I always wanted to try. So when I had that opportunity to take some classes and do it, I tried it. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I love that. I think um, real estate is one of those things that I think is really interesting from, uh, from taking that on. But I have spoken to a lot of real estate agents and I've seen a lot of them. You know, uh, we're right next door to Windermere. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of new agents come in and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, especially during like the crazy housing stuff we were just going through where they're like, you could, you could hold up a sign on the side of the street and sell a house. Like, you can do basically whatever you want. Um, so seeing some of these people jump in and then, like, not immediately getting those results and not immediate. And then, again, seeing the work they had to put into it. Like, and um, I've spoken with uh, Marla, who the, was the owner of Windermere. And she's, when she talks to people about joining real estate, she's like, so you need to have a good amount of savings. <laughs> and yes. you're going to work really, really hard. <laughs> And I think she says, like, for the first, like, two years before you're really going to see something. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, I was always like, that's, like, that's what they need to hear when they get started. And, and what's cool about that to me is we had a barista here that worked for us, and uh, she wanted to do real estate. And she, mm-hmm. her aunt had done real estate, and um, she's like, I think I would do, I, I think I would enjoy it. And I was like, well, I think you would do great in it. Uh, she was one of our baristas. She was a great barista. And, um... Anyway, she met with Marla, and, you know, I talked to her afterwards. I was like, so how do you think it went? She's like, well, it sounds like it's really difficult to get into, but I think I still want to do it. And um, earlier this year, I saw a post on her uh, Facebook um, that said, like, my first open house or whatever, and then she closed on the house. And I was just like, it's so exciting to see, like, that she she followed it through and did that work. And, and so I sent her a quick message just like, hey, congrats on your house. That's really cool. So Yeah, that's that's good. It's really good when you're successful in it. Um, but yeah, definitely. It's it's not it's definitely not a regular job. It's you know, it's no. basically like starting your own business. So you have <laughs> to is. invest not only a lot of time but a lot of money to start out after mm-hmm. you not only take the courses and then do the testing and then 
all the fees that you have to pay involved in it and things like that. So and yeah, it's definitely and all yeah, the things, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely an investment into yourself. Yeah. So very cool. So then, um, as you were doing that, was that uh, where did you start getting into starting uh, safe at that point, or were you just focused on real estate and then? What kind of went from happened from there? I just did real estate for a while, um, and then uh, Safe actually came about after the murder of George Floyd. Mm. So um, we all know, twenty twenty, like something shifted in this world. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, in the whole world, and yeah. yeah. Next thing you know, we were like, you know, we were we were watching our lives like a movie, I'd say, (laughs) in every aspect, right? Socially, uh, medically, politically, like every (laughs) aspect, personally. Um, Yeah, so so that was uh, after the murder of George Floyd. And, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of racial tension. There was a lot of, you know, then the Black Lives Matter uh, movement came back to arise and things like that. Um, We had a couple of things in our community. There was a a few things. We had, um, there were some vigils held for George Floyd. And, uh, but there were also some protests that were started by some teenagers in our community um, in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that was going on. Um, so with that, sadly, we saw a lot of negativity in our community, but then also we saw a lot of positivity, um, you know, and a lot of people kind of banding together. So we had, uh, some community members that ended up putting on a, um, vigil for George Floyd and they did it over at the park or the skate park, um, and uh, they had some, during that, they, the kids were drawing some things with sidewalk chalk and stuff like that. And then, um, sadly, that, uh, those drawings got vandalized with some, some things and uh, some racial slurs. And so a group of community members then got back together to fix that. Um, and so that is where I met a great gal named Heather White. And she had, we got to talking and we just started talking for a while. And um, then she told me that there were some people in the community that want to do something, that they just want to get together and start talking about what they can do, you know, to be supportive uh, um, and to to help. And so I remember, um, I remember asking her the first question I asked her about, I said, well, that's really, that's great. I'd love to meet these people. And I asked her, I said, are there any people of color in this group? And she said, no. (laughs) So I was like, okay, not surprised. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's the community we live in. It's okay. Um, So, uh, so yeah, so she got me in touch with some people, with the people that were in this group and she was one of them and stuff. And we started talking and talking about what our community needs, what our community is going through, what some of the people in our community were going through and just started trying to find ways that we can just be supportive and help in the community. And that is where SAFE was eventually born from, you know, just some community members getting together and wanting to do something good. And uh, we started doing some different things, um, everything from providing um, uh, craft stuff to some of the, um, the elementary school kids and some of the daycares. Like we put together packets. Uh, Crayola has a line called Skin Tone Crayons mm-hmm. and things like that and stuff. And the Band-Aids, the Skin Tone Band-Aids and stuff. So we, you know, gave those classrooms that way that can be more inclusive and have yeah. a little something for everybody and things like that. Uh, and all the way to where we would advocate um, 
you know, to the school board for different things. You know, there was a position that we advocated for and, and things like that and stuff. So, yeah, we just, and then we got to the point where we were like, um, let's, let's be for real. Let's be a nonprofit organization. Yeah. <laughs> let's make this thing. So uh, some of the people in the group, we started getting together and talking mm. about that, you know, writing bylaws and, and all that stuff and everything. And now we're safe. Yeah. So. so again, SAFE stands for Stanwood Alliance for Equity. It's actually, I'm sorry. Oh, did I It's actually wrong? Stanwood Camano Alliance for Equity. Oh, okay. Yeah, we abbreviate the Stanwood Camano because, you know, we share a school district. We are a community. Yes. Really, Stanwood Camano. I know we're different counties and everything, but we're. Com- I've always thought of us as a community. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the funny thing when it comes to Stanwood Camano is both of us, both Stanwood and Kamena are the two forgotten pieces of their respective counties. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's why I always say people don't come here by accident. Like, you yeah. don't, it's not one of those where you drive through the freeway and you drive through the town and you stop in. Like, they have to purposely come here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're Absolutely. on the outskirts of everything. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, so, yeah, we really wanted, we really liked the acronym SAFE, so we abbreviated the Stanwood Kamena. Nice. So we can. <laughs> there we go. Instead of SCAFE. <laughs> well, and then there is a, an other organization out here that is close to that that has a C in there, so we didn't yes. want to, you know, intrude on that. There's and a stuff lot of too, there's try a to lot sound of ones. the same or get confused. So. Yes, <laughs> we respected that. Yeah, so, very uh, cool. So, you know, it kind of as it all kind of came about, it you know, it's kind of happenstance and it kind of keeps evolving and evolving. Um, as you guys kind of really formed into a nonprofit and really focused on this stuff, um, what did you guys see as the goal for this group? The goal for this group, um, we wanted to open up the conversations more. We wanted to help people. We saw our community was really struggling with having tough conversations. We saw a lot of people in the community that wanted to have them, mm-hmm. but they didn't really know how or, you know, where or who they could talk to. Um, yeah. It wasn't really, you know, something that was brought up here a lot in the yeah. past and stuff. So, um uh, so that was a big thing. We wanted to create some kind of a safe space or safe platform to be able to help people have these conversations and help our local community learn about some of the things that they wanted to learn about or some of the things that they were we were struggling with. Um, so that was that was a big thing. Um, and we wanted to work with the schools. We wanted to um, help the kids and help uh, you know provide a safe, just equitable. And, and a good safe place to just be themselves yeah. and be able to childhood is tough enough. Yes, like, <laughs> absolutely. So they should, you know, they have their own kid problems and stuff and, and, and hard teenage problems and everything. <laughs> they shouldn't have to deal with our adult issues. Right. So, <laughs> so, so that was a big thing. So it was just really about creating safe places and um, uplifting voices that haven't normally been heard or listened to or you know uplifted in in this community um so yeah Yeah. so one question i have with that so um there's two parts to the question i guess the first is kind of about the the diversity in sandwich commando and how it's not super diverse (laughs) um but two in that type of environment you know in that community that we live in how do people um you know on the conversation side there's that side but then how do you actually help in it as well when it's not something that it's interacted on on a regular basis because there's not a huge amount of diversity here mm-hmm. yeah that is true it, it, there's not a lot of diversity but i'm going to tell you in the 15 years i've been here it has changed a lot yeah like when i first moved out here we moved out here um my husband's mother my mother-in-law lived out here 
And so uh, we lived out in the Edmonds area, and um, I didn't, part of it, I didn't really want to keep raising my kids out in that area. It yeah. just, you know, I grew up out in that area. I know how it could be. <laughs> you know, it's one of those parents. So, um, and then he wanted to be closer to his mom at that point. So we moved out here, but then I was like, it was another culture shock because I was like, where did you move me to? Yeah. Like, I felt like I was the only one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like I would get excited if I would see somebody <laughs> with like a tan out and like, you know, I'm like, look, you know? <laughs> so, so definitely not the most diverse place. I mean, yeah, I, re- I remember when my daughter came home one year, um, she's 26 now. She came home and she was like, "Mom, there's another, there's a black girl on the bus." You know, it was like, yeah. So I know, mm-hmm. very definitely not a diverse place, but we have gotten a lot more diverse. We yeah. do have a lot more diversity, and um, we kind of had to start looking at it in a way. If like just because it's not diverse doesn't mean the few of us that are here, like our voices, aren't as important. Right. You know, and and things like that, and then. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I exactly remember the second part <laughs> totally oh, to your question. No, you're good. You, you really kind of answered both of them in that. Because, okay. um, yeah, my first question was, was kind of like, how have you seen it change in mm-hmm. that, those 15 years of being here? Yeah. Um, how much more diversity has there been since yeah. then? And then, yeah. yeah, really just how do you talk about these things? How do you kind of help in these things when it yeah. feels like the community isn't You know, it, that's, that's the other part. How do we help in those things? I've really found that the... Um, the best way to get the community to have these conversations or be okay with it or even want to sometimes and stuff is to listen to the people that are going through whatever the conversation is, yeah. is around. Like if we're talking about racism, like listen to the people in the community that do see it, that have dealt with it, you know, because a lot of our, in the beginning, a lot of what I would get from a lot of community members is like, you know, like I know racism is a thing, it exists, but not here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind of have to, Makes some people realize, like, you know, because I'd get the, like, they would just tell me, but I don't see it. Like, if you don't experience it, you're going to, you know, you're probably not going to see it yeah. as much. So, so it was really, that was a big kind of eye-opening thing where a lot of people realize, oh, like, just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not here. So maybe I should listen to somebody who might, you know, see it and stuff. Um, so listening to those, that's why it's a big part of SAFE and one of our, you know, big, uh, big, you know, pieces of our mission is to uplift those voices. Um, you know, because, and even though we have had our issues in our community, we are still the type of community that is very driven by the, the sense of community, mm-hmm. by bonding and getting together. Because we can have a community that is fighting politically, fighting educationally, fighting all this, but if somebody in the community all of a sudden needs something, Everybody from all sides pitches in and helps, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So our, or so I think you know once we started getting those voices out into our community and where our community saw that oh there are people struggling with that sort of thing like we're not perfect we're not the one perfect community member you know their community on the map yeah <laughs> like, we yeah. do have people here that struggle with these things yeah it really got to the point where like a lot of people they wanted to talk about it and they wanted to have these conversations and they wanted to learn and they wanted to help and stuff so yeah. so it really it, you know like i said it even though it was really you know hard at first there's a lot of pushback it got to the point where like i always say it's it's you know some people have you know those are the louder voices they're not the majority you know mm-hmm. so for a while they were the loudest voices the ones that didn't want to talk about these things but once we kept talking about them, it really 
you can see that that wasn't the majority. Most yeah. of our community members wanted to be there for each other. So yeah. it was really good because I didn't always feel like that was the case. Yeah. Probably because I was kind of feeling like I was looking from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. Yeah, I'm but, sure. And, and, you know, until you really get into it, you don't really know. And like. Mm-hmm. That question isn't, you know, some of these questions haven't been asked. And so you're like, what is the response going to be? Yeah. And I think mostly like, um, you know, our community just hasn't talked about it because of our lack of diversity. Mm -hmm. We haven't had a lot of diversity. So there's not a lot of space for that conversation. Right. So, (laughs) so it's not like nobody cares or people don't think it's real. It's just, there just hasn't been a huge, you know, space for that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, So, um, then when was the, when was safe actually started then? Like okay. When did you guys officially, I guess, turn into an organization? Well, yeah. So, so I would say, you know, we our group started after after the murder of George Floyd, like I said. But um, we officially applied for and got our, um, you know, from from the Secretary of State, all that stuff, you know, for to be a Washington yeah. State nonprofit. Um, that will be we're coming up on our year anniversary next month. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Awesome. So um, to date, then, and, and this is going to be before you guys were officially you know, whatever. Um, but what have been some of the biggest, biggest successes for the organization to date? Um, I would say, uh, hands down, our biggest success would be the partnership we have with our school district. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. How's that kind of played out? Um, it's been amazing. Um, I, uh, I've always been very involved in, in the school district in some kind of way and stuff. Usually, um, you know, I have to admit, sometimes I was that angry parent that would show up, you know, mad at the school board <laughs> for something or, you know, mad at the teacher or, you know, or asking questions and things like that. But I've always, like, you know, really cared about the district and stuff and tried to be involved in any way I could. But um, uh, shortly after we started SAFE, um, the, you know, before we went legit, but when our, our group started talking and getting together in 2020, um, one of the people from the original group, she actually worked at the school district. And she said that um, she was having a hard time with some things uh, in the classes that she was teaching. And, you know, she wanted to start having these conversations more in school. And so she introduced me to somebody at the school district, Maureen Stanton, amazing woman that works at our district. Um, And we just sat down and had a conversation. Like, I don't know, we talked for hours, a few hours, I think, or something. It was a very lengthy conversation. And really, she just asked me to hear my story. Like, what, you know, why I was doing what I was doing and, you know, my personal story. I wanted to hear my experiences and things like that. And um, it was a great conversation. And uh, I think it was like a couple days later, she reached out to me and asked... uh, you want to help me start an equity team for the district? I was like, yeah, of course I do. Wow, very cool. So, you know, they had a couple of our SAFE members join the equity team, um, myself and one other, and uh, we started a district equity team. Um, We spent a lot of time, you know, trying to make sure that we were putting it together, you know, trying to put it together and and kind of figure things out. Uh, it wasn't the easiest at first because it was a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions coming together and trying yeah. to. <laughs> and this was already a kind of hard topic because they did um, want to, you know, we look at equity overall, but they did at the time want to focus on racial equity because mm-hmm. that was such a huge focus. Um, and they wanted to make sure that our schools were safe for the kids and stuff. So, um, so, so it was definitely a rocky start. <laughs> so, but... Uh, 
but we stuck with it and we kept meeting and we kept, you know, learning from each other and stuff. And uh, we have done some absolutely amazing things. Um, and then one of the biggest, uh, the biggest turning points for that, we had a, um, a district-wide um, forum with the kids, with our students and some of our students of color from all ages. They came to, it was on Zoom because we were still doing things to Zoom <laughs> then, <laughs> you know. Um, so they, uh, we, we had a district-wide forum on Zoom with some of our students and they just shared their experiences being in the school district, in this community and stuff. And after that, just, it was like, just about everybody in the district, you know, after they heard from the students what they have dealt with, what they've, what they've heard, what they've, you know, had happened to them and things like that. Like, they just were like, how can we help? How can we do things differently? How can we create a space that, you know, our kids feel safe and yeah. welcome here and stuff? And so just that our journey kind of took off from there. And we have had, we've done some amazing things. Um, we are very student voice led. So we've got it to where, you know, pretty much everything we do, it's, we ask the students, what do you need? And, you know, how can we, how can you, you know, so a lot of our stuff, student voice led, we, we have them participate in everything. Um, now we have student equity teams in our high schools and middle schools, mm -hmm. student led. Um, so yeah, it's great. Um, our kids just this past, uh, past month um, for Martin Luther King Jr., to celebrate that, um, to celebrate him. They put on an amazing, our equity team and some other students and some of our staff, they put on this amazing um, assembly for the students. And it was just so wonderful to watch because, you know, not just because the assembly was amazing, which it was, <laughs> but it was because, like, some of our students that got up and spoke, you know, they were not only speaking about Martin Luther King and different activists and stuff like that, but they were relating it to their lives, too, and their experiences. So they mm. spoke some of their truths. And just to know that our district has worked, that, you know, the, the work that we've done has gotten to a place where our kids are beginning to feel comfortable enough to talk to their peers like that, yeah. you know, it was just, it was really amazing. So, um, you know, not to say that we don't have a lot of work to go still, you know, yeah. we are dealing with kids. It's yeah. not always going to be, <laughs> yep. stay the same, be perfect. It's an, it's an ongoing process. Um, but, um, but it was really, it was really one of those moments that made me realize, you know, you have those moments where you're like, yeah, what I'm doing is like worth it. Like it's totally, you know, like this is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So um, one of the things I wanted to touch on um, is I, as I was kind of doing research for this podcast um, and then I was saw some things come up. And so I wanted to talk through um, there was a football game that happened here in Sandwood um, mm -hmm. that, you know, there was racial slurs used during the game and things like that. And and then. Um, you know, then there was an investigation and there was all sorts of stuff that kind of happened. But uh, it sounds like SAFE was part of that, at least part of that conversation and everything. Can you talk us a little bit through what happened and how that was handled? Uh, yeah, I will. Um, uh, yeah, we, we definitely were a part of that conversation. Um, you know, that's another thing I, I really appreciate about our district is they always make us part of the conversation is they always make the community um our superintendent is an amazing woman and she really makes it a point to make the community always a part of the conversation when it's a big deal mm -hmm. um and uh you know so in this instance like she really made sure that the voices 
that were on the receiving end of that or, you know, that, that that was a personal thing for were the ones that were, lift, you know, elevated and really listened to. Um, so that was amazing. Um, yeah, they had, you know, just like any school would in something in an instance like this, they had the investigation and stuff. Um, I'm, you know, being 100% honest and, and everybody knows how I feel. I was not expecting the outcome to be as it was. Like, I kind of, you know, doing this work, and then, you know, I've not, you know, I've, I've been in it long enough to know, and then I, honestly, I've been black long enough to know. <laughs> Sorry, but it doesn't always, a lot of times these things get swept under the rug. Yeah. People don't want to talk about it, or they want to kind of save the school's reputation, or a certain, you know, reputation, or things like that, or they want to just, you know, because you have people on both sides all the time, you know, for or against it or things like that. Um, so it's not always something that get, comes out in the open. Um, so even though, but the work I was doing with them made me really hopeful that it was going to be handled the correct way. But then kind of the realistic, you know, when we think about, you know, when we deal with these things in the past, it usually isn't. So, yeah. so I was kind of, you know, um, but I was always very honest with them too about that and about everything, the whole, everything that I felt during it, because it was kind of personal for me too. It wasn't just a lot of these things. It's not just, okay, you know, safe needs to get involved. We need to talk, but it's like, it, it's personal for me. So I go in as safe, but I also go in as this is how it personally affects me. And this is my perspective, you know, how yeah. it might be affecting some of your students. So, um, so I was really happy when, and surprised, you know, the investigation came back. I can't, you know, I don't want to go into too much deal about the investigation because yeah. I'm not going to get the right words and stuff like that. Anybody right. that wants to look it up, they can look up the, what the school said the findings were and things like that. But the biggest point behind it and stuff is they believed the kids. They believed, you know, the student that, that um, had something said to her in the bathroom. They believed, you know, they, they believed the kids. Um, and one of the things that they said that really that really made me happy and that really made me realize like they're really listening is they said to me, you know, this is, um, cause I told him, I said, this is not just a, a one time thing. This is not just a one off. Like this is just the one that, that made it in the papers, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, yes. yeah. um, and so, you know, and they took what I said to them and I really believe they listened. They listened to the students cause some of the students spoke up too. And they said, um, you know, no matter what happens with the investigation, we're listening to the people that it has affected, to our students and our community members that are telling us, because a big thing that this story brought up was not, it wasn't so much about the fight of did this happen or did this not happen, it really brought up, if you looked on social media, it was like parents or students who were like, this happened to me, this happened to my kid, this happened, you know, this is what I dealt with when I went to school there and things like that, so that's those are the voices that the district was listening to. Yeah. That, you know, no matter what happens with this investigation, this is obviously an issue yeah. that we have to address. Yeah. You know, that we can't just be like, oh, you know, investigation's done, we punished one kid or something and we're moving on, or nothing happened and move on, you know, something that it needs to be addressed. You know, yeah. we need to listen. And so, um, so that was amazing. So, um, as soon as the investigation did come back, you know, like our superintendent, she had a plan. She had a laid out plan of, you know, trainings and making sure our students knew the policies and, 
you know, whatever system changes needed to be made, just anything. Like, she she really cared, you know, and you can show in her work. Like, she did the work to be able to do what was right, and she listened to the voices that were affected. So our whole district rallied, you know, around and helped and stuff in our equity team, and everybody was great. Our, you know, our our high school staff and admin team and stuff. It was, I... Like I said, it still surprises me sometimes, but it gives me a lot of hope for our community to be able to say, as, you know, a DEI worker and as an anti-racist, you know, activist, to be able to say, like, they did what they needed. They did. They handled it right. Yeah. (laughs) They did the work, and they're still doing the work, and it's going to be an ongoing process, and they're not backing down from it. So Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we can all... um, we can all relate on that side of what you were saying of um, when something bad happens. And, you know, in this example is due to racism, but we've seen this happen a lot of times where something bad happens and you, you're waiting for someone to do something or you're waiting for them to take it, you know, take responsibility or take the right step. And then they don't. And then time happens and it just kind of gets forgotten. And you're that disappointment you feel of like, I thought, I thought we were making a difference. I mm-hmm. thought we were moving forward. Um, and to have the reverse <laughs> of that and to have that that be answered and actually be worked on and spoken about I, is just really, really neat to be able to share that. Um, and that's very cool that, that, it, that it, when it played out that way. Yeah, I'm happy. Because, I mean, in all honesty, if you would have asked me this a few years ago before I started working with them, working with SAFE, if this was a possibility, I would have never believed you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, you know, not it wasn't necessarily because our school district was horrible. It's just we weren't having these conversations and we weren't working together yet. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we were we were acting, you know, a lot a lot of the times you kind of feel like you're on the opposite side of somebody, but yeah. it's just because you haven't taken the time to find your equal, you know, your equal ground. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So what do you see as the future of safe moving forward then? Um, I, the future of SAFE, you know, we, with SAFE, it's, you know, we have some goals. We do have a few goals. Um, I, we would love to have a, an actual physical location in town eventually for, yeah. you know, people to be able to come and we have some ideas for that and stuff. Um, so that, that is a, a future goal. Um, I really just want to keep doing the work that I'm doing and it really, you know, it kind of comes organically because, we really uh, work on a belief of, you know, we need to advocate for what our community needs at the moment, yeah. you know, or what our community is struggling with. Um, it, it's uh, so, and when you're dealing with equity work, you know, you never know what's going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> so it could be advocating for anything. So we really build programs and things like that based on our community needs and stuff. So that's really what we work to. We're um, right now, uh, we're really focusing on, um, you know, just uh, making relationships with other organizations in the community. You know, like we do a lot of work with uh, the CRC, the Community Resource Center. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so we did some work with uh, Doug Standish. You know, um, I'll always partner with him. He, he runs the youth program at the um, YMCA. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so just partnering with other organizations and kind of getting together and seeing where we can help each other and, and things like that. So yeah. that, that's a big thing, just kind of getting the community together more and, and helping each other and stuff. So Awesome. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. So the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? Oh, that's easy. That's my mochas just across <laughs> the street from here at the, at the drive-thru stand. Nice. At the Camino Island Coffee there. Um, because not only do I get my, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, so my mochas are a treat. Not only do I get my mocha, but it's my time out of the house, away from all the kids and not working or yes. anything. So I'm like, <laughs> my husband comes home and I'm like, I'm going to get a mocha. And, so, and mom leaves for a while. Awesome. So. Uh, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Oh, that's uh, tough. The most influential person outside of my family, um, I would have to say um, one of my best friend's mom. Her name was Anne, and um, she was huge in making sure that we knew that we weren't where we came from and we weren't our mistakes mm. and that we could like overcome. Sorry, I'm getting a little, <laughs> we lost her not that long ago. Oh, and, uh, yeah. but, um, yeah, she, she just really always made me believe that I was more than anybody thought I was. I was just, you know, I was more than what I, than even what I thought I was sometimes. Yeah. So she really, I think that she was the main reason why I got out of the lifestyle that I was, or even when I was in it, I knew that that wasn't going to be my life, yeah. that I was better than that. So awesome. she definitely, that's yeah. so cool. Um, all right. This is a fill in the blank question. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. I know this. I don't know if I want to do any weird <laughs> things. Um, uh, this is weird, but I've always wanted to. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I, this is supposed to be rapid fire. I'm not being very oh, rapid good. on this one. <laughs> I? I mean, if you don't have anything, that's fine, You too. know, I, I, I think that the weirdest thing is my philanthropy, I think, because people used to always tell me I was crazy because I used to say that I wanted to be rich just so I can give all my money away. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, just... Give it away. Help. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I always cool. wanted to give my money away. That's there weird. You go. <laughs> awesome. All right. Who's an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? I would say Heather White. She started an amazing outdoor school on this island. She's going to hate me because I can't remember the name of it exactly. <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, Heather White, she is an amazing person. She was actually the person that introduced me to the group that is safe now. Um, yep. So she is, you know, she she is a founding safe member. Um, but uh, she is big in early childhood education um, and in equity and, you know, in childhood education, things like that. And um, she started an amazing outdoor curriculum out here, an outdoor school. And she has done wonders, which... It's, it's great because kids learning in an outdoor setting, like what is better than that? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she has an amazing program um, and it's still, you know, fairly new, a couple years in, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think you should. And she's got a lot. She's just amazing all around. She's she's still really big into, you know, the equity work and things like that. Uh, so she does some great things for our community. Awesome. Definitely. Very cool. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20 year old self? Oh, you're not ready. <laughs> <laughs>
I was one of those, I got an idea and I would jump in and try to do it and stuff. And then, you know, it took a while to realize, oh, I just wasn't ready. You know, now I look back, I'm like, how come I had, I just wasn't ready. <laughs> you know, you have those things where you're like, oh, I'm glad I didn't try this. When I, yeah, you're not ready. <laughs> oh, well, very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Satin Desiree Arnett for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.